Okay, welcome, y'all. It's really good to be back together, and it's good to have some new faces. My name is Anna Dabbs. For those, I've gotten to meet a bunch of y'all tonight um, that are new, but I'm on staff here at Christ Pres. I work with women's ministry, and I'll be teaching some, uh, but we team teach. We have a lot of great teachers here, and so we share that. So you will hear from me some and other teachers some, which is great. Um, so like Amanda said, if you got... The, you know, saw the announcement of what women's Bible study was on this semester and thought, oh my stars, I'm not sure if that is for me. Um, that's okay, uh, because most of us kind of have an idea of what Jonah's about, right? Jonah's about what? A guy and a fish. Thank you, right? Except that it's really so much more. Jonah is one of the most fascinating books of the Bible. Um, but the other three, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, as a staff woman at church. I hope I don't get fired for this. Uh, if you had offered me $100 six weeks ago, two months ago, to tell you what the book of Nahum was about, I could not have done it. Okay? So if you're thinking, man, I really just don't need, I don't know what's going on here. Never really read this part of the Bible. It's okay. You're in very good company. Uh, your teachers are learning as we go, and it's good to learn together. So we tonight are just kind of going to get a starting point, a jumping off point for this semester. We're going to talk a lot about um, the justice and the mercy of God. Um, and honestly, we kind of struggle sometimes, I think, with issues of justice and mercy. We live in a world where because of um, how connected we are by social media, we see all sorts of horrible things that are happening in the world we live in right now. And it is sometimes hard to reconcile how is God good and everything is so bad? The world is so full of evil. How does that make sense? I can't make sense of that. And then at the same time, uh, we often read the Bible and read parts of the Old Testament and see God being very, what we think is harsh, uh, towards people when they mess up. And we're like, I don't, I don't know. This God, he's all God of the Old Testament. I mean, I, he's a little, he's a little uh, harsh. He's a little mean. I'm not sure how I feel about that. So we've all got, we've all got pre-conceived uh, thoughts, feelings that we have about issues of justice and mercy. Um, but I would like to invite us tonight um, at the beginning of the semester first, I would like to invite us to look at this with humility, with eyes of humility. I would like to invite us to come to God's word in these places, come to our Father, who we know his character is that he is good, that everything he does is right and just, and that he loves us, and that we come to it in a posture of trusting him in a posture of he is God and we are not. And his word is good and right and true and that we're going to put ourselves underneath his word instead of try to put ourselves above his word. Okay? So an invitation to humility. He's God and we're not. But also, the whole problem of evil in the world, it's kind of our fault. I uh, spent about 10 years as a substitute teacher before working at the church, my degrees in education. And I spent a lot of time with little precious people who were really mean to each other. 
a lot of the time, right? So a normal day on the playground with the kindergartners, and little Timmy runs up and says, Ms. Dabs, Bobby hit me, and it hurt, and he's so mean to me. And Bobby comes up, Bobby, did you hit Timmy? Mm, yes. Okay. Well, Bobby, people are not for hitting. I know. He made me so mad. Yeah, but we don't, we don't hit people. We take care of people. People are not for hitting. So we're not, this is, we can't just let this go. We're going to need to have some time out. Okay. Um, is it my fault as the teacher that precious little angel lovey darling Bobby is in time out? It is not. He hit little Timmy out of the yuck and wickedness that came out of his own little precious heart. That evil started right inside of him. And as a loving adult in charge of the situation, it is my responsibility to say, sweetheart, you don't get to hit people. We don't hit people. It is not going to go well for you in life if you grow up thinking you can hit people, right? You're going to end up in jail. And this precious little child who was hit, people aren't for hitting. People are for treating with dignity and respect and love. And so, y'all, it's kind of how it all, it all started in the garden. When the fall broke everything and Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God, they broke the relationship with each other. They broke the relationship with God. And all of a sudden, um, the expectation of treating each other with righteousness was out the window. Okay, so what, what would that, what is treating each other with righteousness? That's how it would have been in the fall. I mean, in the garden, in the beginning, before the fall. That is how God created us to live with him and with each other, is in a state of righteousness or right relationship. Because people are inherently full of dignity and worth because we're created in the image of God, there is an understanding that people are to be treated with dignity and love and kindness. And all of that broke in the garden. And so all of a sudden what comes out of our little human hearts is all turned inward. It's all turned self-centered. It's all turned to me. And all of a sudden we don't look around at the people around us and think, how can I treat them with dignity and love and kindness. I look around and I think, how annoying are they to me? Are they going to get in the way of the things I need to do? How can they make my day go better or worse, right? All of a sudden, everything starts from me. Um, and so the evil that is out in the world from person to person, it really is our fault. It's a place to remember to start. It did not come from God. His justice is always a response to the evil of man. If we were not being evil, there would be no, no need for consequences or justice to be carried out. So I'm saying this, there's this expectation that we act with righteousness towards other people, that we treat other people rightly and we stay in right relationship. Um, and how do we know that this is an inherent expectation? Well, because it makes us really offended when it doesn't happen, right? How could she say that about her? 
How could he steal money from his company? How could somebody kill somebody else? How could somebody hurt a child? It makes us furious. And that offense that rises up in us tells us that it is built in that people are supposed to be treated well and that it is wrong and it is evil when we do not. So we don't act with righteousness towards others. And sometimes um, it's a little harder to see it in ourselves than it is in other people. Sometimes it's really easy to see it in other people. A lot of times uh, you will notice this maybe when you're driving, okay? So a place that I notice this um, is at that light on Jackson Avenue where if you turn right, you go to the Walmart, and if you turn left, you go to all the places we want to go, to the Marshalls and the Home Goods and the El Agave and Chick-fil-A because we go there all the time. And that left turn lane gets so dead gum backed up. And you know, you're sitting there in that turn lane and you see the light go from green to yellow and those cars just keep on going when you're trying to go the other way. And then it turns to red and those cars just keep on going, inching along. And you think, breaking the traffic rules. It's somebody else's turn. It is not your turn. It is your turn to stop, right? But when it's me, and the light turns yellow, and the light turns red. I mean, I've got cranky, hungry people in my car, and we have got to get to Chick-fil-A, and I'm not thinking about anybody else other than myself. And the very same thing can cause us great irritation in somebody else, but seem perfectly fine for us to do, to think of ourselves before someone else. So the wickedness that comes out of the heart of man and how we do not treat other people well Uh, is the cause of God sending the prophets out of love to wake us up, to wake up all of the people in the Old Testament. So what was a prophet? Okay, sometimes we think of a prophet kind of like a fortune teller, um, like they're going to predict the future, which sometimes they did, absolutely. But that is not all that they were. Uh, A prophet is really more of, um, they were usually members of God's people of Israel, and God would select them. They would have an encounter with him where he would speak to them, and there would be a message for them to take to his people. And there are prophets all throughout the Bible, Moses and Elisha and Elijah, Huldah the prophetess, who are not books of the Bible. So you have in your study guide a list of the, minor, the major prophets and the minor prophets. Those are just prophets who, who wrote a book of the Bible. The major prophets are major because the books are longer than the minor prophets, which I think is it's like, I always thought they were more important. They're not. The books are just longer. So the, uh, but there are prophets all throughout. And God sent prophets to um, basically uh, wake up his people. Okay, so God had come. um, We had the the fall in the Garden of Eden. And after that, um, the Bible said the the intentions of man's heart were only evil all the time. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And we had the flood. Okay, and then after the flood and um, God saved Noah's family and the earth repopulates and we have people all over the all over the earth. Uh, God comes to Abraham and says, I 
am going to make a family out of you. I'm going to make a people out of you, and I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people, and we are going to be in right relationship with each other. Um, a, a, a hope to come back to a right relationship as it was in the beginning, of course, now with sinful, broken people. But God comes to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And our best understanding of a covenant, of course, is, is marriage. Um, and the two big things that we see there, one is that uh, the exclusivity, right? In marriage, when you get married, it is two people and only two people in the relationship. And they are vowing to exclusively be in relationship with each other. And the other thing is that both parties have responsibilities, Okay, so that's what God is coming and saying to Abraham that I'm going to do with you. We're going to be in mutual relationship that is exclusive uh, because at this time there already were all sorts of people, wild and wacky people worshiping all sorts of other gods that lived in that, um, in that time. And God is saying, we're going we're gonna to be in this relationship and I'm going to protect you and take care of you and give you a land. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be for you and what I expect from you is to exclusively worship me. And also, I want you to go out into the world, and I want you to look different. I want you to look like me. The world is full of broken people who are using and abusing other people who are fully self-centered. I want you to go into the world, and I want you to show them what I am like. I want you to show them what it looks like to be, um, to be in right relationship, to treat people with dignity and kindness and all of those things. That's what I want from you. Go out and show the world what I'm like. Uh, part of that was that he gave them the law. And that was, if you, if you follow these, these laws, the Ten Commandments, um, well, that came a little later with Moses. But it's, you see what God is like, Right? No adultery, no stealing, no murder, no coveting, no lying. We treat people well when we don't do those things. Okay, so we, um, okay, so, oh, I got all mixed around. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, so he tells them to go out and do this. The problem is um, they don't, they don't do it. I mean, they're like, yes, that sounds great. And it does sound great. It would be lovely if we all were just so kind to each other. But they fail, okay? And so we have um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The family grows. Jacob, God, turns, uh, he changes his name to Israel, who has the 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, one of those sons is Joseph, Joseph of the coat of many colors. And his brother's are horrible to him because why not that's what we're doing now and they sell him into slavery in Egypt he gets to Egypt and this at that point is how the whole family ends up in Egypt um, as they grow there's a new Pharaoh who is uh, overwhelmed by them scared they're going to take over and he makes them slaves okay so now we have this God's family who we'll call Israel in the Old Testament and they get enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And they, um, they've grown to be a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And so at this point, they are feeling very vividly the oppression and the mistreatment of other people. 
at which point uh, God sends Moses to rescue them. And um, he brings them out. You have the ten plagues and the Red Sea, and they come out. They spend some time in the desert because they're so grumpy. And then he sends them, uh, led by Joshua, in to take over the land, the home that he said he would give them. And they come and inhabit the land. And um, then you have the time of Judges, which they say everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And we just, God's people, bless them, bless us. They're acting just like everybody else. And they're just, they're just not awesome. And so God sends prophets. And what the prophets come and say to them, the prophets are kind of like a wrong way road sign, right? This like, stop, you're doing going the wrong way. Stop and turn around. What the prophets do are, are three things. Uh, the first is they bring accusation against God's people. They remind them of the covenant that God made with their father Abraham, with them, of how good it was and of how they've broken it. That they're not following the law. They're oppressing the poor. They're being unjust. They don't look like God at all. They are supposed to be bringing light and they're living in just as much darkness as everybody around them. So the prophets bring accusation. But then they always, they call for repentance. This is, this is I think, one of the biggest things that we see in the prophets is the prophets are God just in flashing light saying, I love you so much. You're destroying yourselves and other people. Turn around. Come back to me. Do things the way I told you to do them. I promise life is going to be so much better because it's how I made you to function. If things feel very dysfunctional, it is because you are not acting the way I made you to act. Repent. Change your ways. Come back. And if you come back, there is always forgiveness. And there is always mercy. And God is so ready and looking for opportunities to show mercy. God had described himself to Moses as, um, this is in Exodus 34, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But it does go on and say, but who will by no means clear the guilty? Because God values the people that he's made. He will not allow us to mistreat one another. And we get this, right? We get this on human terms. If, <clears throat> if someone commits murder, we don't say, all shucks, hope tomorrow's a better day. No, you go to prison, right? You don't get to hurt another person and there not be a consequence. That is that's what justice is. Um, and so God says, if, if, you don't, if you don't repent and you stay in your guilt and you continue to treat people and me so horribly, there will be justice for this. There will be consequences for this. So um, the sad thing is that most of the time, the people, most of the time, the people don't repent. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they turn. Um, I put a, um, a passage in your um, study guide that I'm not going to read all of for the sake of time <clears throat> of Jeremiah 18, but it's basically God saying, 
I'm good. I can I can choose to show mercy when I want to show mercy. Um, but if if people are doing evil, I'm going to choose to show justice. At the end of it, he says, um, he says. Thus says the Lord, behold, I'm shaping disaster against you. The warnings came with, if you don't turn around, there are going to be consequences, and they're going to be bad. They're going to be really bad for you. I'm shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. But they say, this is in vain. We will follow our own plans, and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his own evil heart. So there are consequences and the prophets foretell the consequences that are coming. Um, Some of the biggest consequences that end up coming for God's people are being taken into exile. Um, Sometimes it's a consequence of something of a battle of another country coming in um, and, and, and taking over Or it could be a consequence of a plague or a famine, and he's trying in love to wake them up and turn them around. So, we put this together. Um, We are seeing that what what God expects of us is that we act in righteousness, that we act in right relationship with other people and with him, and we don't do it. And basically, that's, that's sinning. That's what sinning is. When we act wrongly against God, we're sinning against him. And when we act wrongly, unrighteously against other people, we're sinning against them. So um, when you then act unrighteously towards someone, the response of the offended party is to then either show justice or mercy. Right, And so we have in these conditional prophecies of God saying, repent, turn, I'll show you mercy. I would love to show you mercy. Um, We get this a little bit in our lives um, of day-to-day stuff when we create an offense. When I um, am having a bad day and I am snappy with my sweet husband, he's so dear and kind. And I I mean, how, how am I mean to you? But I can be mean to him. And when I am offend him, it is then his choice how to treat me, whether to treat me with, with justice, which might be like a, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what is justice in that point. Like, I don't even know what would it, what would it be. Like, like, I don't know what he, I get a, a talking to, I don't know, I don't know what that would be. Or cold shoulder, I mean, would that be just? If I'm ugly to you, what is just? Um, or he can choose to show me mercy. And not hold it against me and absorb that hurt himself. Okay, so um, <clears throat> we get that. One day, I was driving along. And I had picked up my puppy dogs from the uh, groomer. And so Buster and Murphy are little fluffy things. And Murphy is like the epitome of a lap dog. He's still a puppy, and he's like little fluffy lover. He, so, of course, Murphy's in my lap, driving home, blue lights. Okay, has anybody in the room ever not had the blue light experience? Because it is the worst sinking feeling, and I, I just assumed that I was speeding. Because honestly, I like to drive too fast. It's not good. 
And so I thought, oh, shoot. <laughs> How fast was I going? I'm getting pulled over. And I, pull, I stop, and the police officer walks up, and he says, ma'am, did you know it's illegal to drive with a dog in your lap? And I was like, oh, because that had not crossed my mind. And I was like, of course it is. That makes perfect sense. That's very dangerous and easy to be distracted. And I was like, I am so sorry. Um, at that point, <clears throat> that officer had a choice whether to show me justice and write me a who knows how expensive ticket for riding with a dog in my lap or to show me mercy and to say, ma'am, today I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give you what you deserve, which is that ticket, okay? And that is that beautiful feeling. Mercy, y'all, is like the best feeling in the world when it's extended to us because, man, it, we don't want to get we don't want to get what we deserve. We don't want to get what we deserve. Okay, so this theme of justice and mercy comes all through the Bible. Um, we're going to finish up here um, because I want to show us where the prophets are. Um, we got all the way to judges. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. They were not showing much mercy to one another. They wanted kings like the other nations around them. So we have this time where there were three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, where the kingdom was all together. Um, and then because Solomon uh, did not act righteously towards God or other hit the hundred hundreds of his wives. I think he probably was not acting very righteously towards any of them. Um, he loved many women from many countries and served lots of idols because of them. And God was like, I, the, the exclusivity thing between me and y'all, it's just, you've blown it to pieces. And um, the consequence is that the kingdom would split. And so one of Solomon's guys who works for him is Jeroboam. And he basically takes away the 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they move north a bit. He creates two new temples with golden calves there where they can go and worship. So it's not too much trouble to travel back down to Jerusalem where the temple they're supposed to worship at is. It's a big old hot mess. And it just gets worser and worser, as Alice said when she was when she was little. Uh, Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. He ends up uh, being the first king of Judah. Uh, there are two tribes there, and this is the line that, um, because God, God loves us messed up people so much, he is determined to hang on to us. And this is the line that the, the remnant that he hangs on to is from. Now, uh, the kings of Israel, most of them, almost all of them were pretty terrible. Jonah comes and uh, calls for repentance uh, in the northern kingdom. But uh, he, actually, he actually prophesies in the time of the 14th king, who was Jeroboam II, named over the, after the first guy, who in, he was just as bad as the first Jeroboam. Uh, so it was a, a pretty crazy time. Um, and Jonah actually prophesies, to a, foreign, to a foreign country, Assyria, who are the great enemies and who are going to come in later and uh, take over these tribes and they just get completely disseminated. So most of the prophets uh, talk to God's people. 
Some of the prophets talk to other nations. Uh, Jonah is coming and talking to one of their biggest enemy, Assyria. Okay, and then we have a whole, all of these bunches, a bunch of kings uh, in, the, in the southern kingdom of Judah. And this is our, our other three prophets that we're going to study this semester, Nahum, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk, come in the time of uh, come in the, in the area of the southern kingdom. Uh, Nahum is actually, um, after Jonah calls for Nineveh to repent, uh, and they do, Nahum actually uh, prophesies the total destruction of Nineveh, which was the capital city of Assyria, the great enemy. Um, then we're going to have Habakkuk, who is going to come and prophesy. And what he does is he looks around at all of God's people. And what a mess they're in. And his, he says, God, how, why are you letting this happen? How long will you let this go on that your people will treat each other so badly? That's what we're going to talk about in Habakkuk. Um, and then in Zephaniah, uh, we're going to talk about a little, the, a, a day of the Lord, a time of judgment. But then Zephaniah also talks about the great day of the Lord at the end of time when Jesus, the true prophet, comes back. And what happens there, um, and we're going to kind of finish up here, is that, um, well, yeah, we're close, um, is that Jesus, all of, all of these prophets were pointing towards Jesus, who is what, God himself coming and saying, repent, turn around, I'll show you mercy. Okay, we're going to come back to that. So, we get the need for justice when it's the worst out there, when it's all the bad stuff happening out there. We get that. But I wonder sometimes if it is a little bit harder to connect with the need for justice in our own lives. That we actually really deserve some justice. Because, right, we're so cute. We're so cute and we're so sweet and we smell good and, I mean, like, our nails are polished. Can we really be that bad? I wonder, if, um, I wonder if you ever surprise yourself with what comes up out of your heart. Sometimes I surprise myself. Did I really just think that about her? Did I really just say that about her? Did I really just yell such mean things at my child? Did I really just walk the other way in the Kroger because I saw that girl and I really cannot talk to her today? Am I really that selfish with my money? Did I really just lie to her? Did I really just flirt with that man? I am married. Are you ever surprised at what comes up out of your own heart? Your own heart that loves the Lord. God's prophets came to talk to his people who were already in relationship with him, who had all sorts of yuck coming up out of their hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You and I, cute as we are, we have very sick hearts. And the unrighteous words and actions that come up out of us are an overflow of the deceitful, desperately sick hearts that we have. 
we have a problem that is a part of who we are. So the question for us becomes, on a bigger scale, what will I get? What will I get from God? Will I get justice or mercy from God? And the answer to that question is what the gospel is all about. We all have this problem of unrighteousness. And is God going to show us justice or mercy? Because what we deserve is the justice. When we take uh, membership vows here at Christ Pres, one of the questions you answer is, do you see yourself as a sinner justly deserving the dis displeasure of God? We deserve the justice. And so what we have in the good news and the gospel is that Jesus came, right? Jesus came and we talk about the righteousness of Christ and how we get the righteousness of Christ. I'm hopeful that in talking about the unrighteousness that we are and that righteousness is being in right relationship, that what we see is that what we get from that is the life of Jesus. He was righteous in all of his relationships. He was righteous in his relationship with his father. He was righteous in his relationship with other people. He did it rightly all the time. And so what we get then in the gospel, the good news, is that God looks at us and says, I'm going to show you some mercy because you acted very unrighteously. But what I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a substitute of how Jesus acted so very righteously towards me and towards other people. You are going to get the credit for how he acted. But the fact that we deserve justice doesn't go away. There has to be justice. Somebody has to absorb the punishment. So there we have Jesus on the cross absorbing the justice and the punishment for all of our unrighteous sin towards God and towards man. So this gives us this gives us a new it gives us a new identity. I am no longer if I am in Jesus, I am no longer a person who is deserving of justice because the justice has been paid by Jesus. I am now a person who has been shown mercy. And what God longs for in us is that we would become people who love to show mercy just like he loves to show mercy. And also, uh, what we see in the life of Jesus is not that he just did justice. He didn't do injustice towards people. He actually did what we would call reparative justice. So you can have punitive justice. You did something wrong. You get the consequences. But there's also reparative justice. And what Jesus did is he came in and all the people who had been so squashed by the other people's injustice, those are the people he went to first. The people who were the outsiders, the poor, the marginalized, the unwanted, the sick. Those are the people he went to, and he went with healing to make their lives better. And so when we take on his name and we become people who've been shown mercy, we become people who show mercy, and we become people who want to show justice in the way that he did, where we look for ways to make people's lives better. Where when we see ourselves acting unrighteously and hurting people, we want to repent quickly. 
We want to make it right and ask for forgiveness. We become people who want to treat people like God treated us. So this semester, we're going to talk about a lot of justice and mercy in different ways. And Micah 6.8 says, we'll end here. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We'll pray for us and we'll go to small groups. Lord, thank you that um, thank you that you would so much rather give us mercy than justice. Lord, we thank you that um, you love us so much, that you have made us with such dignity, uh, that you also do carry out justice, Father, that no evil will go unpunished. Lord, we thank you for how you love us. We pray that in the semester with things that are hard for us to wrap our minds around, that you would meet us there, that in humility we would come and we would learn and we would grow. In Jesus' name, amen.